0: The Guardian.
1: Order. Questions for the Prime Minister. Mrs. Helen Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues in other, and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mrs. Helen Grant. Isn't it stupid to vote?
0: Yeah.
1: Isn't it stupid to vote for House of Lords Reform but against the programme motion? I think my my hon. Friend makes a very, very important point. We have been discussing this issue for a hundred years and it really is time to make progress. And The truth of the matter is this, there are opponents of Lords Reform in every party in the Conservative Party, in the Labour Party and in the Liberal Democrat Party in the other place. But there is a majority in this House for an elected, mainly elected House of Lords and I believe there is a majority for that in the country. But if those who support Lords reform don't get out there and back it, it won't happen. That is the crucial point and it is absolutely hopeless. In life and in politics, to do what the right honourable gentleman is doing, which is to say he's in favour of it and he's also against it. It's hopeless.
0: Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister said on the 11th of April, and I quote, I will defend every part of that budget. I will. I worked on it very closely with the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Line by line. Mr. Speaker, what went wrong?
1: The fuel duty increase was a Labor tax rise. They they put up it cannot be a U-turn to get rid of a Labor tax increase put in place 12 increases on fuel duty in Government. They left behind six increases in fuel duty, and
0: I am proud of the fact we are dealing with them. So, Mr Speaker, it was all part of a seamless political strategy. Unfortunately, they forgot to tell the Transport Secretary, who went out and defended the increase. They forgot to tell the Cabinet in the morning, though the Chancellor briefed them on the economic situation, and they forgot to tell their own backbenchers, Mr Speaker, and sent them out to defend the old policy. Let's call it what it is, another case of panic at the pumps. And and month after month, every time this side of the House has proposed putting more money in people's pockets to get the economy moving— he has denounced the policy as irresponsible, but yesterday the Chancellor said it was about precisely doing that. Why doesn't he admit it? Plan A has failed. Does he support stopping the
1: fuel increase? Yes? Yes! Well, why not? Why not get up and congratulate the Government for being on the side of the motorists and the people who work hard and do the right were helping. I have to say to the right hon. Gentleman, ever since we came to office, we have been diffusing Labour's tax bombshell, we defuse their jobs tax, we defuse their increases in council tax and we have diffused their increases in fuel tax. They should be congratulating us for being on the side of those who work hard and do the right thing.
0: I am afraid it is back to the bunker after that answer, Mr Speaker. <laughs> And even on this government's own measure of success, borrowing went up yesterday. Uh, I have to say, no wonder they want to change the exam system. The Chancellor can't get the maths right, Mr Speaker. And can he confirm confirm that the reason this government has had to borrow $3 more than this time last year is because tax revenues are are down and the costs of economic failure are going up? And it's all the result of double dip recession made in Downing Street. Yeah. So on on fuel
1: tax, he's against it, though he's in favour of it. And on borrowing, he thinks it's too high, but he wants to put it up. I think it's back to school.
0: Yeah. Mr. Ed Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, he, I know he finds the shadow chancellor irritating, but it was the shadow chancellor who called for the fuel duty cut. Yeah. Now the reality is they are not just economically incompetent, they are unfair as well. He has made six U-turns, but not in two partic- on two particular decisions in his budget. The tax cut for millionaires paid for by the tax rise on pensioners. He says that he's been, he has been listening to the electorate. What feedback has he had on those two particular proposals?
1: Well, first of all, on the Shadow Chancellor, the Shadow Chancellor was the man who put the fuel tax increase into the Budget in the first place we have been doing is getting rid of Labour's tax increases. Now He asked me about the top rate of tax. I think it is wrong to have a top rate of tax that is higher than France, higher than Germany, higher than Italy. But I would make this point to the hon. Gentleman. For 13 years of a Labour government in which he served, the top rate of tax was 40p. The top rate of tax is now going to be 45p. Again, I think a thank you would be in order.
0: He claims to be proud of the way the decision on the fuel tax was made. The Chancellor hid away yesterday refusing to defend the decision. And no wonder, and no wonder, and no wonder, and, and, and no wonder. And no wonder. They, he, the Chancellor yesterday sent out the Economic Secretary to do all the interviews on this issue. And it's no wonder the member for Mid Bedfordshire said this. I didn't see Newsnight. However, if Osborne set Chloe on, he is a coward as well as arrogant. Yeah change, Mr Speaker, on the tax cut. There's no change on the tax cut for millionaires. Doesn't the Prime Minister realise what people hate about this government is the double standards of them saying tax avoidance is immoral, but it's okay when so many people are struggling to get by to give a tax cut to millionaires, including the millionaires in the Cabinet. First
1: of all, the Leader of the Opposition says that the Chancellor was hiding away. Uh, The Chancellor was announcing this tax reduction from the Dispatch Box. I know, I know, Mr Speaker. I know, Mr Speaker. The House of Commons doesn't always get reported. But he was actually here making the announcement, and I have to say, completely wrong-footing the Shadow Chancellor. What we've heard today. What we've heard today from the Leader of the Opposition is a whole series of arguments about process. Process about the House of Lords, where he's wrong on the substance. Process about the economy, where he's wrong on the substance. Process about the deficit, when he wants to put
0: the borrowing up. Absolutely hopeless. Ed Miliband, Speaker. It's about an economic plan that is failing and it's about the unfairness of this government. The unfairness of this government. I mean, he talks about the tax affairs of Jimmy Carr, but he's giving a tax cut to millionaires of £40,000 a year across this country, including in his own cabinet. Uh, When it comes to tax, Mr Speaker, it's obviously one rule for the comedians on the stage and another rule for the comedians in the cabinet. Has spent the last week blundering into the tax affairs of Jimmy Carr, his budget unraveling, his economic plan failing. From the country's point of view, it's a shambles. From his point of view, it's just another week at the office.
1: I'm not surprised, Mr. Speaker. I'm not surprised, Mr. Speaker. Order, order. The Prime Minister's answer will be heard. The Prime Minister. Well, I- I'm not at all surprised. That the Honourable Gentleman is touchy about the issue of tax avoidance because who have they just voted to the top of the list of the National Executive Committee? Ken Livingstone. <laughs> it's this government that is cracking down on aggressive and illegal tax avoidance and tax evasion, and it's that party that's voting for them. <laughs> Sir Malcolm Bruce. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The International Development Committee spent last week in Afghanistan and would pay tribute to the dedication of our armed forces and civil servants working under very difficult conditions. But Will the Prime Minister at the Tokyo Conference next month reassure the people of Afghanistan that although troop drawdown will end in 2014, advice, support and development assistance will continue for years beyond that so Afghanistan can become a functioning state that delivers for its people? I think my right hon. Friend makes an important point and he talks about our armed services and today is the day which actually we encourage people that serve to wear their uniform to work, not something that members of this House can do, but nonetheless we should remember all those who serve our country, whether in the reserves or whether in the regular forces. On the issue of support for Afghanistan, we have already announced that we will continue with the generous level of aid and development support that we are giving to Afghanistan after 2015. We have very much been leading the charge on that, as well as helping to fund the build-up of the Afghan national security forces between now and 2015. This is Sharon
0: Hodgson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I ask the Prime Minister, what is the moral difference between celebrities avoiding tax and a cabinet of millionaires cutting tax to um, benefit themselves?
1: Yeah. Perhaps perhaps, perhaps the best way to answer that question is to quote her own uh, leader who said this at the launch of his local election campaign, tax avoidance is a terrible thing. It must be cracked down on. That, I thought, was the official position of the Labour Party. They should be thanking us for getting on and doing just that. Caroline Dynage.
0: the decision not to increase fuel duty. Does the Prime Minister think that this shows hard-pressed families and businesses that we mean business about refueling growth?
1: The Lady is absolutely right. It is this Government that has taken two million people out of income tax, two million of the lowest paid people. It has frozen the Council tax, it got rid of Labour's jobs tax, and it has repeatedly dealt with fuel duty, so it is 10p less than it would be under the plans left to us by the last Labour Government. Mr Graham M. Morris. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can we return to this theme of practicalities and tax avoidance? one way in which the Prime Minister could put an end to aggressive tax avoidance schemes is to legislate for a general anti-avoidance well, principle. Let's do that. Not a general rule. Will he make one more U-turn and back up his expression of public outrage with real action and legislate for a general anti-avoidance well, principle? Yeah. Well, legislating on a general anti-avoidance rule is exactly what we're doing, exactly what Labour didn't do for 13 years, and I look to welcoming him into our division lobbies? Mary MacLeod. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> unemployment in my constituency has reduced by 5.7% in the last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Results of this Government's work to reduce unemployment and make sure that we're focusing on the right things to deliver economic growth, unlike the party opposite, who have done no innovative solution to the economic issue. What Part of the additional additional keep going keep going additional growth will come from new businesses what is this government doing to encourage teaching enterprise in schools to nurture the next generation of entrepreneurs it's quite
1: clear mr speaker that the party opposite just want to shout down anyone who wants to talk up What's happening in our economy? The fact is, in the last quarter, we saw 200,000 new private sector jobs, which was more than four times the rate of growth uh, that we saw in terms of the decline in the public sector. We are seeing a rebalancing of our economy, and in terms of small business, in 2011, it was a record year for the creation of new small businesses in our country, and on this side of the House, at least, we're in favour of encouraging that. Michael
0: Meacher. The coalition agreement stated uh, that the government would introduce a House business committee by the third year of this Parliament. Will the Prime Minister therefore confirm to the House that he will introduce it within the next 12 months?
1: We're, we are, we're looking carefully at this issue but let me just say to the Honourable Gentleman who served, who served as a Minister and as a Backbench MP that already this Government by introducing the Backbench days and Backbench business has made one of the most fundamental reforms of this place Backbench members are, all, are, ina- are able to determine both the time and the subject of debate something that never happened under 13 years of a Labour Government Dr Sarah Wollaston <laughs>
0: please Mr. Speaker.
1: Thank you Mr Speaker. Gift aid is an important way to support charitable giving through the tax system we know there can be difficulties for charities to collect gift aid declarations for, for example when they are collecting uh, donations in the street that is why we are introducing the gift aid small donation scheme and the scheme will enable charities to claim a gift sta- style payment on donations where it's not been possible to collect a gift aid declaration. That will help we think charities in many parts of our country and I am sure will be welcome on all sides of the house. Dr yes. Sarah Wollaston. Thank
0: the Prime Minister. Community hospitals across Britain benefit greatly through their leagues of friends from gift yeah. aid donations. Could the Prime Minister reassure all those who give so generously that the equipment and facilities that they fund will be guaranteed to remain for the benefit of local health communities? And can I invite him to visit a community hospital in my constituency to see gift aid in action? Yeah. Thank you
1: well i have visited uh, a, a community hospital in her constituency while while having a holiday in her constituency so i have some experience <laughs> of, of the excellent service uh, provided in, in south in south devon Um, I absolutely can say that League of Friends do a brilliant job across the country. The money they provide for that equipment should remain local, but I think the gift aid change that we've announced will actually uh, be able to help hospitals and Leagues of Friends like the ones that she refers to. John
0: Woodcock. Thank you, Mr Speaker. He hasn't had time to reach a judgment on the tax affairs of Gary Barlow. He's a busy man, but he's had years to consider those of massive conservative donor Lord Ashcroft. Are they morally wrong like
1: Jimmy Carr?
0: Yeah. Good.
1: Like all members of both houses of Parliament, uh, all peers have to be full UK taxpayers. That is a change I fully support. But while we're on this subject, while we're on this subject, he may want to have a little look at Labour's chief uh, fundraiser, a man called Andrew Rosenfeld. And between the years of 2006 and 2011, he lived in which key marginal seats? Anyone? Anyone? Zurich. <laughs>
0: My right Honourable Friend take this opportunity
1: Would my Right Honourable Friend Take the order? The Honourable Gentleman deserves to be heard There's been far too much noise today When Members are asking their questions It's discourteous Let's hear Mr Bernard Jenkin Thank you Mr Speaker
0: Would my Right Honourable Friend Take this opportunity to remind the House That there is
1: actually a crucial EU summit At the end of this week Which is more important for UK growth and jobs The, mass- the implications of these massive changes Being proposed in the EU or House of Lords reform? Yeah. Clearly, in terms, of, in terms of growth in the UK economy, what is happening in the Eurozone and what is happening in Europe? is extremely important and it is a very vital summit uh, that is taking place uh, on this Thursday and Friday. The UK Government has a very clear view which is the Eurozone countries need to do more in the short term to settle the financial uh, instability in the markets but they also need to take medium and longer term steps to make sense of the Eurozone. Now that will involve them sharing greater powers but that is something that the UK shouldn't be involved in. So I think we have a very clear view. Uh, I think that uh, we push forward our arguments with great vigour and will protect and defend the UK economy and political system at the same
0: time. Chris Bryant. Every hour of every day somebody gets killed every hour of every day somebody gets killed by a weapon that has been irresponsibly traded from one country to another. Next week the arms trade treaty negotiations start in New York. Will the Prime Minister make sure and guarantee that the British delegation will fight for the inclusion in the treaty not only of uh, police and security apparatus that can be used for internal repression, but also of ammunition, which is vital. It's bullets that kill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, as the Honourable Gentleman knows, we back the Arms Trade Treaty and have done for a considerable amount of time and lobby very vigorously on that issue. On the specific point that he raised, I'll look at it and write to him. Jake Berry. On Friday night, the towns of Baker, Crawshaw Booth and Darwin were subject to unprecedented flooding when the River Irwell and the River Darwin burst their banks at the same time. Would my right honourable friend join me in congratulating the emergency services for working through the night and particularly the residents of Crawshaw Booth who came out in the morning to clean up their village so it was able to welcome the Olympic torts less than 12 hours later. I certainly join my hon. Friend in praising the emergency services. These were really very dangerous and and damaging floods caused by a huge amount of rainfall over a very short period of time. The emergency services, I think, performed uh, superbly, and I hope to go and see that uh, for myself. But now we're in the recovery phase and also the phase where people start to look at going back into their homes, and there will be all sorts of questions uh, about insurance and about how we can help. And I'm sure that he'll make these arguments in this House, and the government will do all it can to help. Ian McKenzie. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Will the Prime Minister finally answer the question why this year to date his Government have actually borrowed £3.9 billion more than they did this time last year? The, the deficit is that he left and his party left, the deficit is down by a quarter. And the policy that he supports is to spend more, to borrow more and to put the debt up even further. Nick Bois.
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. 17-year-old Godwin Lawson from Enfield was tragically stabbed to death in 2010. Since then, his mother, Yvonne, has become a powerful force for challenging the culture of knife crime by sharing her experiences of her son's death with young people in schools. She, like many groups from the front line of knife crime, can make an extraordinary contribution to challenging this culture. However, some authorities are not yet getting behind supporting and offering some funding to achieve this. Would the Prime Minister lend his support and encouragement to those people to get behind the councils, to the yes. get behind them? Yes. I would certainly give my
1: support to Yvonne Lawson and to all those others who are playing such a heroic role in trying to change the culture of knife, about knife crime and carrying knives in our country. It is worth remembering that this year, for instance, Ben Kinsella would have been 21, and i would also pay tribute to Brooke Kinsella, and all these families who, it would in many ways be easier for them to try and turn away from the tragedy that robbed them of their children and their brothers and their sisters, but instead they campaign and show immense bravery, the profile of this issue. The Government must play its part by making sure there are tough, mandatory sentences, and we are and have done that. But I think there's a larger culture change that needs to take place and, frankly, the bravery of those who've lost loved ones going into schools and talking about it and talking about the dangers of carrying knives can play a huge role in changing the culture. Debbie Abrahams.
0: The Prime Minister will be aware of the horrific explosion uh, that occurred in, in Shoreham, my Constituency yesterday. I'm sure the whole House will want to pay tribute and mourn the death of the two year old Jamie Heaton and will want to send best wishes to Burns Victor Mandy Partington as as well. Will he join me in paying tribute to the work of the emergency services who attended this event yesterday and which I witnessed firsthand, as well as Oldham Council Civil Contingency Service and the Red Cross? And will he agree that we must never take for granted the courage and bravery of these servicemen and women?
1: I think the Honourable Lady is absolutely right to to speak as she does and I'm sure the whole House will want to send a message of sympathy and condolences to the family of that poor two-year-old who who lost their life and also our best wishes to the Burns victim who who is in hospital being treated at the moment. The scenes were really quite uh, appalling to see on our our televisions of what had happened from that explosion. I certainly join her in paying tribute to the emergency services and also wish all speed to the police to get to the bottom of anything that might have happened here anything that might have gone on. Uh, Everyone will require answers to what's been announced. Absolute tragedy. Craig Whitaker. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Calder Valley flood victims' Facebook page and the Community Foundation for Calder Just giving page shows great community spirit. Also, the arts festival, Mother Roy gala, and the handmade parade all going ahead this weekend shows a community's resilience uh, and also shows that the Calder Valley is open for business. Can my right, honourable friend update our flooded communities on how negotiations? are going with the insurance industry so that they can get uh, insurance in the future and at a reasonable price. Well, I, I quite understand why my hon. Friend wants to raise this issue. I believe there were over 550 properties in his constituency alone that were affected by these really damaging and dangerous floods. On the issue of flood insurance we are going to work very hard with the industry to continue to deliver widely available and affordable household insurance in flood risk areas. I absolutely join him in praising the resilience of his community having suffered uh, as my constituency suffered in, in 2000. While the recovery from the floods is extremely difficult The resilience of our communities And the amount of public and community service That comes out of our communities Is remarkable and something that really deserves our praise Frank Roy Uh, Mr Speaker, 20 years ago this week The giant Ravenscraig steelworks in my constituency Was forced to close Thousands of steelmaking jobs were lost And sadly, many of my former steelworking colleagues Never found work again 20 years on Will the Prime Minister apologise for his party's shameful role in the demise of the Scottish steel industry? I'm sorry for every job that's been lost in manufacturing industry over a very long period of time but what I would say is that while manufacturing as a share of the economy almost halved under the last government that share is now increasing and in terms of the steel industry I think it is worth recognising that under this government steel industry has started again on side, and that's something the whole house should applaud Jesse Norman uh, Thank you Mr Speaker, Hereford is the home of the SAS
0: and July the 19th will be the 40th anniversary of the Battle of Murbat, in which nine SAS soldiers fought off more than 300 heavily armed guerrillas.
1: During the battle, Sergeant Laba Labalaba was shot, while single-handedly operating a 25-pound field gun, a weapon designed for a six-man team. Successive governments have declined to recognise the extraordinary nature of his sacrifice. The SAS have many heroes, but will the Prime Minister put this matter finally to rest and give his support to the campaign toward Sergeant Lubber-Lubber, the posthumous Victoria Cross
0: that he so clearly earned.
1: I I, I think my honourable friend is right to speak up for uh, the the, the SAS, who are based, as he says, in his constituency in that extraordinary uh, fight that they had in Oman all those years ago. Uh, We aren't allowed to to, to speak a lot about what they do on the record, but it is worth putting on the record the immense gratitude of all governments and, I think, the entire British people to the risks they take on our behalf. And thinking of the recent hostage rescue, rescue, uh, I I would like to do that personally. In terms of um, uh, the question that he asks... I do not think these sorts of decisions are for politicians to make, but let me once again pay tribute to the heroic actions of that man and everyone involved on that day. Liz Kendall.
0: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Is the Prime Minister bringing back O-levels and CSE-style exams?
1: What my right-wing friend, the Education Secretary, explained, I think in great detail in the debate yesterday, is we want to have an absolute gold standard of exams in our country that are about rigour and high standards. And the tragedy is that that what we inherited from the last government was a system that was being progressively dumbed down, where Britain was falling down the league tables, and GCSE questions included things like, how do you see the moon, is it through a telescope or a microscope? Microscope. Now, on this side of the House, we think we need a rigorous system, and that's what we're going to put in place.
0: The, the exciting Goonhilly Space Science and Technology Park in my constituency richly deserves the conditional Regional Growth Fund approval, which will secure vital jobs and inward international investment into the, the UK, and also
1: harmonise with the Government's own welcome and critical commitment to space sector
0: growth. Will the Prime Minister please use his influence to ensure that there is no, I'm sorry to say, further avoidable delay in the implementation of the RGF grant
1: and the launch of this critically important enterprise? Uh, I will look very carefully at what my honourable friend says uh, almost 60 percent of regional growth fund uh, projects are now underway and the money has been distributed in very very many cases but i 'll look specifically at this project which does sound uh, an interesting and worthwhile project involving as I understand it radio astronomy and satellite management these are high tech jobs for Cornwall, which I know is something that Cornwall wants and Cornwall needs so i 'll do my best to make sure it happens live effort a third of southeast London healthcare trust's deficit is due to the PFI? Isn't the Secretary of State wrong to suggest that the entire deficit is due to that PFI? Shouldn't he be working
0: with local health managers to deal with that situation rather than imposing an outside administrator to cut local health services?
1: What I would say to the Honourable General is, first of all, it is this government that is putting more money into the NHS this year, next year and the year after. Some of these NHS trusts, like the one he mentions, do have enormous deficits and a large part of that is down to the completely failed PFI systems that the last government put in place. And we have got hospitals up and down the country. Hospitals up and down the country went £120 to reset an alarm, £466 to replace a light fitting. They're shouting from a sedentary position that these were Conservative PFIs. They weren't. Every single one of them was put in place under a Labour government. Yet again, time for an apology, oh, yeah.
0: Mr. Mark Reckless. Does the Prime Minister agree? Does the Prime Minister agree that the way to tackle aggressive tax avoidance is to bring in?
1: flatter, fairer taxes? I certainly support flatter, fairer taxes and that is why we actually do have now 2 million people taken out of income tax, a lower top rate of tax to make us competitive with the rest of the world. But I think it is important to put this clearly on the record. Tax evasion is illegal and wrong and should be chased down. But as my right hon. friend the Chancellor has said, some of the tax avoidance that the schemes have been put in place in recent years are in my view, very questionable, and the government should be absolutely clear that the revenue's task is to close those down and make sure that people pay their taxes properly.
0: Caroline
1: Lucas.
0: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In December last year, this House passed a motion calling for a bill to make urgent reforms to our deeply unfair extradition treaties. Nearly seven months later, there still be no bill, no action. What makes the Prime Minister more uncomfortable, ignoring the will of the House for months on end, or the plight of those facing imminent extradition?
1: Well, we held the Scott Baker Review and the Scott Baker Review looked carefully at the extradition arrangements and I would urge the Honourable Lady, yes, of course, to look at some of the cases that have caused concern but also to look at the overall figures where we are benefiting by being able to extradite people who have committed serious crimes from the US back into the UK. We continue to look at this. We will make sure we do the right thing for our country but don't in any way think that it is a very simple issue. It isn't. Mr. Peter Bone.
0: Mr. Speaker, would the Prime Minister congratulate
1: the excellent Secretary of State for International Development for producing a flag that is going to replace the European Union slogan on all our overseas aid? And he should be thoroughly congratulated. I, uh, I, I'm sure that, uh, like, uh, like myself, uh, My Honourable Friend and indeed probably Mrs Bone as well got the Dear Colleague letter from uh, my Right Honourable Friend with this excellent new logo showing that the aid that we send is not on behalf of the British Government it is on behalf of all of the British people who I think support the fact that Britain stands for something in the world and stands up for helping the poorest in our world even as we have a difficult time in our own country. Order.
0: For more great downloads go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.